You are listening to the podcast, Aim for the Bushes. And I am your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And so uh, basically on today's episode, we're going to focus on footwear. That's our, that's our theme going on here. Now, if this is your first time listening. This is our first time recording, but if this is your first time listening. Uh, yeah, we're basically just going to cover a variety of topics. Uh, basically, my musings and maybe in the future other people's musings on certain things. Some of them might be inane, like today's, about footwear. And others in the future might be a little bit more serious, more uh, philosophical. So, like I said, today we're talking about footwear, and basically we're talking about part one is bo our boots. Basically, our boots a necessity in the winter. And I will say no, so you can turn it off right now and go butcher it. <laughs> but no, for serious. I, I, I don't think boots are necessary for uh, for the winter. If you live in a big city, if you live in the country, maybe maybe invest in a good pair of boots. And then afterwards, we'll be talking about shoes so another kind of footwear and not if they're necessary because they probably are but basically we'll be talking a little bit about the history and perception of uh, the Air Jordan 1 which is a basketball shoe if you're unfamiliar with it it's uh, quite popular all right so first up we have uh, boots in the winter time now I myself we're recording now in uh, Montreal Canada for anyone who's listening uh, abroad and in Montreal and Canada in general it snows unless you live on the west coast it snows quite a bit and I've been living in Montreal now for mm, 15 years oh wow it'll be 15 years that I've been living here and not once except for this year have I had a pair of boots and the reason why and this is what everyone gives me flack for they always say oh it's winter like yeah, you need boots and I'm like, no, no, I've gotten, I've survived plenty of winters without boots, only shoes, and it's been fine. So I don't think they're necessary, okay? I mean, basically, if you think about it, like, the city plows the sidewalks, uh, the roads are plowed, generally they're salted, uh, so you don't have to worry too much about ice, but that depends. And then basically, I'm indoors most of the day. So, like, I, I get up, I'm at home, I'm inside. And I'm for most of my day, when I'm in school, if I'm going to work, like, the, the amount of time I'm outside is, like, walking to the metro or walking to the bus. And then I'm, on a, I'm inside, underground in a metro or on a bus till I get to school. And both the schools that I went to, Concordia and Dawson, are accessible underground right from the metro station. So I never saw it as, like, a huge necessity to wear boots. Now, it's possible, you know, that you're not always in school or you're not always inside, like, on weekends or evenings you go out. But, like I said, this, the most of, at least where I live, uh, it's been plowed. And the snow isn't even deep enough. Even if it's not plowed, the snow, it doesn't snow deep enough or enough um, centimeters fall or whatever snow, accumulation of snow. It's not, it's just not there. You can get by easily, easily with just shoes. Now, what I will say is more recently, because of climate change, one could argue, is that 
what we've ex been experiencing in Montreal, uh, especially, and um, this may be true for other parts of the country or other parts of the world, I really don't know, is that we've been having a freeze-thaw cycle. So pretty much it'll snow, uh, let's say like a lot, like just yesterday it, it, uh, it snowed like 20 centimeters. And then the day after, or a couple of days after, it'll become warm. So we'd go from like below zero Celsius temperatures to uh, either close to zero or ab above zero. And that'll cause uh, all this freshly laid snow to start melting. And then, then the problem is that, especially from snowbanks created by plows, is that the, the, the snowbanks will be covering all the storm drains. So then all this uh, water that's now uh, coming out of the snowbanks that are melting has nowhere to go and then they pile and puddle and then if you're wearing shoes it's difficult to travel and then not to mention all the slush and stuff like that that also builds so in those instances that's where you want a pair of boots but not just any kind of pair of boots because I know people like I said people have always told me like oh how do you get around Boots. Most of the boots that I see people wearing aren't even waterproof boots. So I don't. What, what are you coming at me with, with 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 this get wear boots argument? If you're, if you're not even wearing waterproof boots, especially for those large puddles, because like I see people wearing UGGs, and I'm like, if you're wearing boots like that that aren't even waterproof, and you're trudging around in the water and the snow and the slush, like what difference does it make? So this year I finally. <sighs> caved, and I got a pair of boots. Not because I need boots to get around, but because when we have this freeze-thaw cycle taking place where it'll become slushy, because the other issue that I've noticed living here over 10 years in Montreal is like when I first moved here, when it snowed in like November, December, the snow would stay on the ground until March. And now it'll snow, and then basically most of the snow will be gone within a, f a few days, regardless if it warms up or not, just because like, the amount of snow that falls is not the same as it used to be. And I think if you go, like, on, uh, I saw a thing, like, on CBC, uh, basically showing that, that uh, the amount of snow that falls has decreased over the last, like, 20 years or something like that. Also maybe related to climate change. I don't know. We'll have in the future probably an episode about climate change and uh, its denial and all that stuff going on. But yeah, so basically the same amount of snow is not that is uh, the the same amount of snow is not falling as it used to be. So now now you know it's it, especially if you're like downtown or a highly trafficked area with a lot of people, like people walking, cars driving, like that all kind of like melts the snow and it disappears. So again, then you don't really need boots. You can get around with shoes. I mean, yes, there's ice sometimes, but I don't find, like, the ice argument, I don't find boots a better traction source. Like, I've worn, it depends. I Like, I've worn, like I said, I've worn boots this winter, and it's been icy because we've had some really cold days, you know. So you do get ice. That's always been a thing, like, even like going back to the ice storm of 98. Like, ice is a, a common thing that happens here. Uh, during winter, but I don't find boots even provide a greater traction unless you get those kind of boots really that have uh, the steel um, treads in them or whatever. You know, they're just not necessary. You just don't need them. Now, I've been up in the country like an hour north 
uh, of Montreal in like Saint uh, Saint Lucie, and I've gone snowshoeing and or I've gone just like walking out in the snow in general. There, if you live somewhere there in a remote area where there's like a lot of snow, because the snow up there up north, like an hour north of Montreal, like there it's snow. If that if I was living there, like yeah, I would definitely have boots because my feet would get wet and it's the, the worst is when you get snow in your in your in your shoe or in your boot or whatever. That w- that would happen frequently if I lived in an area like, in, like that. So, in that circumstance, yes. So if you live in an area where you just have like pretty deep snow levels, yes, get get a boot, get like snow pants. Also, what happened to snow pants? I remember when I was a kid, snow pants, snow suits. Now, as an adult, no one. Uh, the only time I see people wearing snow pants or snow s- snow suits. Is if they're going to Igloo Fest, and for those who don't know, Igloo Fest is like basically this outdoor music festival that goes on in Montreal during the winter months, uh, on the weekends, pretty much. Oh yeah, so the only time I see people wearing snow pants is yeah, like at Igloo Fest. But like when we were kids, you remember that? Like you'd always have like a snow suit. I remember when I was a kid, I had a red snow suit, and we'd go out, uh, when like on the playground and like at school and play. And, like, when you do your snow angels and all that stuff. And, like, we used to throw snowballs. I think now you can't throw snowballs. From people I, I've talked to uh, who are a bit younger than me, throwing snow got banned. Yeah, yeah exactly. So we, we, we used to throw snowballs. So we did all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, the snow pants disappeared. I mean... I don't know. I guess they're not necessary either, but it's just an observ. It's just something interesting where it's just like after a certain age, it's like you stop wearing snow pants. I guess because you stop rolling around in the snow. I mean, yeah, I guess you stop sledding too. Because when you're a kid, you don't really do that as an adult. I remember one time I was in Toronto and uh, with some friends, and for some reason, like, we want to go sledding. So this is when I'm older. I'm not like a little kid anymore. We want to go sledding. And I was like, Okay, but like, does anyone have a sled? It's like, oh shit, no one has a sled because you don't have those things anymore. So what we did was we drove around, I guess like a pretty well-off area of Toronto, and then I guess it was an area where where people have their their families and stuff, and they leave all their toys out front, their sleds or whatever, their winter toys out front. And so there was a sled that we found, <laughs> a pretty big one, and we took it. And then we went sledding down some hills with it, but don't worry, we didn't. We didn't just like take this kid's sled and then just you know. Now this kid wakes up the next morning. He's got no sled. Once we were done, we drove back, <laughs> and we 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 returned it on the front lawn. <laughs> so, so it wasn't the case. We didn't just like steal it. Okay, so don't worry. But yeah, so getting back to to the boots, right? So I I don't know. You can come at me and tell me why they're important. I'll probably tell you why you are wrong. You know, well, you don't really need boots. Unless you have a legit reason to have boots. Like I said, you live somewhere where there is, in fact, a lot of snow. Like you live up north, you live in the country. You live somewhere remote uh, that sees a lot of snow. Otherwise, if you're in a city, if you're in a major city, I don't see the need for boots. I just don't. I, I just don't see it. All right, so... Basically, now what we'll do is we'll just hear a little word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with our next topic. And I'm being informed that we don't have sponsors, so... (laughs) 
we'll just we'll just get to the uh, to the next topic. All right. So the next topic now we're going to cover is uh, the Air Jordan One, like I mentioned at the beginning uh, of this episode. So for those who don't know, the Air Jordan One is uh, well, it originally came out as a basketball shoe for Michael Jordan of the Chicago Bulls when he entered the league in 1984. So basically, he had signed a deal with Nike, and Nike said, uh, yeah, we're going to design you uh, a shoe that is centered around you. So we're basically, we're going to start off with a little backstory here, just so everyone's under uh, on the same page here because like I said not maybe you don't you, you don't know much about uh, shoes or the Air Jordan one in particular so what Nike did was well I guess before we get into what Nike did because what they did was good they did I would say a brilliant level of marketing like really good advertising really good marketing and the reason why we're talking about this is because to me anyways it talks about how we perceive things and how we uh, perceived things can influence the manner in which uh, we actually think about things. So when you look at basketball uh, shoes from the time, so from like basically like let's say from the 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, they were very simple in design. Uh, either all white or they had uh, like an accent color uh, usually matching uh, the team's color. So if the team's color was green, let's say, so everyone would be wearing a white shoe with a little bit of green on it. And so when Michael Jordan entered the league with Nike, they wanted to make a statement. And so what they had done was they had come up with a shoe that was black and red. Now, both those colors are part of the Chicago Bulls uniform uh, color scheme, basically white, black, red. So they make sense in terms of fitting the design of the, the team colors. But at the time, the NBA had a rule stating that the shoes that players wore had to be predominantly white. And like, and like I said, with a little bit of an accent color, uh, you could have. So you could have a white shoe with some red on it. But you can have like an all red shoe or you can have an all black shoe. And you definitely could not have a black and red shoe. So if you go in, you Google or you go to YouTube and you search up uh, Air Jordan 1 band commercial, it's basically an image like a Michael Jordan bouncing a basketball and the camera pans down his body and it focuses on the shoe and it says that uh, Nike developed the Air Jordan 1 and that the NBA banned it, essentially. And you get, like, these black bars that like go over both of the shoes that he's wearing and that Jordan is wearing in this commercial and say that the NBA, uh, the line is something along the lines of like the NBA band, the Air Jordan 1, but they can't stop you from going to buy it. So from a marketing perspective, this is this is good. This gives Nike an angle to sell the shoe, right? It gives you a story to latch onto and to say, hey, the shoe's good stuff. So good, the NBA banned it, so you should buy it. It makes sense. But the problem I have with it is that it's not true. The shoe was never banned. So there's like if you if you research into the uh, Air Jordan One, you'll come across uh, a lot of people saying that 
basically any time, and this comes from Nike's own marketing materials as well, but basically saying that any time Michael Jordan wore the shoe, he would be fined $5,000 and that Nike would pay this, uh, pay this, this fine. So as you can imagine, over the course of an NBA season, there'd be a lot of, uh, a lot of money adding up there, like significant amount of money. And Nike itself is not that old at this time. Nike's only, like, I think, been around for about 12 years. So I don't think they're going around paying $5,000 every time Michael Jordan wears uh, the shoe that's been supposedly banned. So, and, and the reason why this is important is because, like, this is still how the shoe was thought of today. They talk about the banning of this shoe. Like, uh, recently... In February, I think 2019, there was a documentary called Unbanned, the story of the Air Jordan 1. I haven't seen it yet, and I want to see it. It looks interesting. But even then, the title, Unbanned, right? So it, the shoe was still thought of as banned, although the shoe itself was actually never banned. So when Michael Jordan started playing in, the, in his rookie season in 1984, Nike did not have the Air Jordan 1 ready in time. They are probably developing it, but... When he took to the court, uh, it wasn't ready yet. So when he had started uh, the preseason, I think a little bit of the regular season, he was wearing uh, another shoe by Nike called the Airship. And that shoe was developed, uh, a version specifically for Michael Jordan that was given the same colorway, so the same colors as the Air Jordan 1. So it was colored uh, black and red. So this was a prototype shoe, basically as a holdover uh, until the Air Jordan 1 was ready, which was also going to be black and red. That was the main color they were going to go with. The two original colors, from what I can tell, for the Air Jordan 1 were going to be black and red. And then there was going to be another one that was black, white, and red, which is called the Black Toe. If you want to Google that, you can see an image of the Black Toe Air Jordan 1. Those are the two original shoe colors or colorways that were going to come out for the Air Jordan 1. So what ends up happening is that uh, Michael Jordan wears this black and red airship at an exhibition game in New York. And at that game, I believe the NBA commissioner is there. And they notice that he's wearing, that Michael Jordan is wearing a black and red shoe. And like I said, at this time, most shoes are white. So he really stands out. So if you're someone on the court wearing a black and red shoe, when everyone's wearing white shoes, you stand out. So the NBA took notice of this. And they had said, I mean, this isn't documented in terms of like a letter. There will be a letter in the future. But in this instance, they say, they tell the Bulls, they tell Michael Jordan, I'm not sure who, but they basically say like, you cannot wear a black and red shoe. So that colorway, like that goes against their, 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 their color rule for the shoes. So that's what was banned, the colorway, not the shoe. Because even when you read or watch videos or read articles about this, how they frame it, they still say the shoe was banned. So what they'll say is they'll, they'll make this little clarification. So they'll say, okay, it wasn't the Air Jordan 1 that was banned. It was the airship that was banned. Now, what they mean is, what I assume they mean is, is that the, the colorway was banned. The black and red colorway was banned, which is true. That's what banned. You couldn't wear that specific color combination on the shoe. But when we say 
the shoe was banned, we think the model called Air Jordan 1 or called Airship was banned, which is not true because Michael Jordan wore both those shoes, Airship and Air Jordan, in white and red colorways. So those were not banned. There was no issue. There was no. There was nothing sur- surrounding that. So the shoe itself was not banned. It was the colors that were banned. So basically, for the rest of the season, uh, as or sorry, as the season goes on, Michael Jordan switches between the Airship, uh, white and red, and Air Jordan One. Once they're finally done, white and red. So for that whole first season that he plays, uh, you will not find a picture or video or whatever uh, of him wearing a black and red shoe. Now, he did wear it in promotional things. So like in the Air Jordan 1 commercial, there's a few other photo shoots for some magazines where he's like wearing like the Bulls uniform and has the black and red shoes on. But in an official NBA game, he did not wear a black and red shoe. The only time he wore it that at least was documented was the preseason game against the New York Knicks where he wore a black and red uh, airship. And then the only other time that you'll see it is at the uh, the dunk contest at the All-Star game in 1985 in February. He wore it then, the black and red uh, Air Jordan 1, because at the All-Star game, it's not, or the skills comp or a dunk competition, whatever, that is not an official NBA game, so you do not have the same kind of rules. You can you can wear pretty much whatever. If you watch his footage or photos of the dunk contest, you'll see Michael Jordan's also wearing a bunch of gold chains around his neck, which obviously you would not have in a in a regular NBA game. So in the dunk contest, he's wearing black and red Air Jordan ones. So following that appearance of the shoe, the black and red shoe, the NBA takes notice again because. Uh, you know, a black shoe is out there. It stands out against a sea of white shoes. So the NBA sends a letter to, I'm not sure if it's to Michael Jordan directly or to the Bulls or to Nike, but basically they say in the letter that at the All-Star game, although I don't say the All-Star game, they say a couple weeks ago, that a black and red shoe was worn, and basically it's a reminder not to wear a black and red shoe like what was uh, what was seen at the New York at the New York game. So basically they're saying, hey, uh, we saw you were wearing a black and red shoe, but make sure you don't wear it in the future, otherwise, uh, you know, there will there'll be issues. And in the letter, when you read it, it says a Nike black and red shoe. It does not specify a Nike Airship or it does not specify a Nike Air Jordan because the, the Airship or the Air Jordan, whatever, they were not banned. The shoe model itself, the physical shoe, was not banned. It just could not be in that colorway. And so, like I said, this is, to me, this is important because, like, it was so you, you can say, well, who cares? You know, it's a shoe, whatever. But this affects how we think about things, how it's mentioned to us, affects how we think about, in this case, the shoe. That's what made the Air Jordan 1 part of the reason, what made the Air Jordan 1 popular. Part of it was its look, obviously, because it stood out as a, as, as a shoe uh, based on its colors, its bold colors at the time. You know, that definitely made it stood out. But then you have this other story around it saying that, like, oh, uh, this is banned, 
right? It gives it a kind of mystique. It gives it an allure now. Now we've changed how we thought about the shoe. So even when we're people are still talking about the shoe to this day, that's the main attraction to the shoe is that it, it was banned, but it's, it was never banned. So even when people try to clarify by saying like, oh, it was the airship that was banned, it's like, no, 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 that shoe wasn't banned. He wore airships, just not black and red airships. He had to wear white and red airships, right? Because this is, part of it centers around Nike selling you a story to make you buy the shoe, right? That's why this is important, because it's like selling you something. Now, obviously, you can, like, I have several pairs of Air Jordan 1s because I think they look nice. To me, the allure wasn't, oh, this was banned, but that's part of the initial allure or the initial hook that Nike was able to craft in terms of telling a story around the shoe, which is good on their end. On their end, that's that's good. That's, like, marvelous because apparently they sold a lot, although I've heard some things saying that maybe didn't sell as much as as Nike would have you believe. But it was a pretty popular shoe. I will say that, like, from what I can tell, it was a pretty popular shoe. I think because um, they were, Air Jordan 1s were also used, this is getting away from the whole band thing, but just as an aside, Air Jordan 1s were also used as skate shoes. But I'm not sure when they were used as skate shoes. I'm not sure, because skater culture didn't start until, I mean, it started before, but I think it only became like more popular in the '90s. I could be mistaken. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a historian. Don't don't come here for history. <laughs> if you want like a legit like story or history lesson behind <laughs> how skateboarding came about, but I I feel like it took more took uh, took off more in the in the '90s because what happened was when Jordan retired for the first time after the '93 season. Nike was pretty much at like, um, this is a little, uh, I guess, exaggerated, but at facing an existential crisis concerning its Air Jordan line of shoes, right? Because pretty much uh, every year, Nike comes out with a new Air Jordan shoe. So I think in 93, we had the Air Jordan 8. So Michael Jordan announces he's retiring, so they're like, oh, shit, what do we do? Do we continue making Air Jordans because he's not playing anymore? I mean, they did. They released Air Jordan 9, which I think was based on his baseball. I think it was a baseball cleat. But anyways, that's not important. So what they had done was they had re-released, I think, some of the earlier shoes in 1994. So they re-released the Air Jordan 1, and they re-released the Air Jordan 2, and they re-released the Air Jordan 3, if I'm not mistaken, in 1994. And I think that's when... I think they were expecting a lot more people to buy those shoes. But I don't think the market was there for people buying older shoes. Like, now that's a thing. Now people buy, like, retro shoes, as they call them, if you if you collect shoes or if you're into shoes. Now, especially with the whole nostalgia thing, now, like, um, re-releasing shoes or retroing shoes is popular. But in the early 90s or mid-90s, that wasn't really a thing. You wouldn't... You'd, they'd look at you and be like, why would you want the old pair of shoes? You want the new pair of shoes, right? So now Nike's like successful in terms of like releasing old shoes. But back then that wasn't a thing. So I think they had made a lot of pairs, like more than what people were, were interested or willing to buy. So you had a lot of shoes that just kind of like sat. And I think that's like when skaters picked them up and started using them to, to, to skateboard and, and stuff like that. 
you know. So I mean, stylistically, the shoe looks really nice. Like I like it. Like they look dope. Like if you're wearing a pair of Air Jordan ones, you probably look dope as hell. Which I think has like you know, as a stylistic shoe, you know that makes sense. Not everyone that buys a shoe is is buying it for the performance, right? Same thing like with anything. Like if you take cars, like people buy like Ferraris and stuff. Not everyone buys a Ferrari because they're gonna race it at a track or something, right? People want it because status or because it looks good or whatever their reason is. So that's basically the same thing with the Air Jordan One. So Nike needed a story to sell you, right? To make you want to buy it, if especially if you're not a basketball player. At the time when it came out, if you're a basketball player, I mean, other than looking dope as hell, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll get an I'll get an Air Jordan One. But if I'm someone that doesn't play basketball, how do I make this appeal to you? I mean, other than the look, I think it looks great. Like you can go look it up yourself and see if you, if if you like its look. I think it looks great, but. You know, you gotta have some angle on it, and that and that the NBA saying you can't have a black and red shoe basically says to people like, or says to Nike to to tell to tell people to say, hey, this shoe is banned. You know, you can be part of this. You know, and wear the, and wear this thing. So, I to me, what's interesting again is the idea that, you know, how we think of the shoe. Or in this case, it's a shoe. It could be anything, but how we talk about it frames, you know, our perception of the shoe. It pulls us in, into, into, into wanting it. You know, it affects how we talk about it. You know, saying it was banned. Even all these years later, when people are trying to clarify it being banned, be like, oh no, 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 it wasn't banned. It was the other shoe that was banned, right? Like, it means something. So obviously this can be applied to things that are much more important than a basketball shoe, but it all it's all connected in that sense, right? Because you have to frame it. You have to frame it as a story to sell people to get them to buy in. And that's basically what it's about. It's about getting you to buy in. So initially with with by, with saying that the shoe was banned, even though it was not banned, because he wore Air Jordan 1s, just going to wear a black and red shoe. But I'm like he says... This colorway is banned. That's different than saying the shoe is banned. Even if you mean only the colorway is banned. Right? It makes a difference. There's a distinction there. Right? So, I mean, we'll talk in the future about stories. Because I, I got a, a, a few things about, like, stories and f to, to sell shoes. We'll, we'll talk about this at a future day. But there was an Air Jordan 1 where I heard people on YouTube, because I watch this kind of stuff. So... Shut up. Don't judge me. But I watch this kind of stuff where there's an Air Jordan 1 shoe that came out and people were upset that the story around the shoe was not convincing enough. So they didn't like the shoe. <laughs> right? They were saying like, ah, I don't like the story around this shoe. So I don't like it. So I was just kind of like, oh, that's, that's interesting. So we'll talk about that in a future thing, in a future episode about that because I got thoughts about that because that's freaking dumb. But anyways, so the, what, what I'll close off with here is that like, when the Air Jordan 2 came out uh, a couple of years later, the Air Jordan 2, if you look at the original colorways for the Air Jordan 2, they're white predominantly. There's there's four pairs that originally released. You have two high tops and two low tops that came out. And both of them have uh, basically the same color schemes. It's white and red, and the other one is white, red, and black. 
but a little bit of black in the heel. Uh, sorry, not the heel, the, um, the, the midsole of the shoe, right? So this idea of Nike wanting to do, uh, you know, have a band shoe or, or whatever did not last very long, even if it was true, because the next shoe that came out, the Air Jordan 2, they did all white shoes, predominantly white shoes. So they stuck with it. They stuck with it. So thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll have another episode soon. I've been your podcast person, uh, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. So I've been here with uh, my recording partner, Maggie, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>